0: This is an ABC podcast. My mom
1: got very sick, and um, sorry, I'm I'm quite emotional. <sighs> Recalling back, uh, my my mom got very sick during the blockade, and I'm giving my whole life to Red Cross at the moment because of that. They are the ones who are uh, enabled
2: me to. Get out of Bougainville. I saw those big tankers and trucks that brought back all those childhood days because I, I remember seeing them on the road shooting out and um, fighting with our, our Bougainville Revolutionary Army, which my uncle was part of it, and I was
3: so scared. Me and my children, we ended up in the bush for two years. So we have to come out of the bush to the common care center in order to put the kids to school and also we were just adding up for people. We lost everything during the crisis. So this this kind of experience for us, it's like a very good experience that we don't want to see it happen again.
4: I could see his face and that's the only sweetest part of the, I mean, the sweetest thing that I always remember and I hold hold close to my heart. I treasure the very last moment before he was killed. It
5: is hard to listen to, isn't it? It might be 21 years since the end of the Bougainville conflict, but the trauma is still raw. About 20,000 people died in the brutal civil war, one in 10 Bougainvillians. Many women were widowed, others lost children, families were ripped apart, and women were left to pick up the pieces when their communities were all but decimated. The autonomous region of Bougainville is now at an important crossroads. Its people have voted for independence from Papua New Guinea. They are ready for it. They'll need to negotiate this with PNG. And will women ever sit at the negotiation table to help secure their region's autonomy? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about Bougainville's women and their fight for independence and healing. It's hard to wrap your head around the trauma that women and children in Bougainville experienced during the Civil War from 1988 to 1998. Apart from a constant threat of being killed, many were witnessed to death, that of their families, husbands and children. Women had to flee their homes with their children to run for their lives. They went without food. Some never saw loved ones again.
2: Today, it still haunts me uh, to see because we could see the defense force lining up our our, our relatives, our boys, and and shooting them, some of them um, in front of us. And um, some of them, they were telling them to uh, walk on their knees and then pee, pee on the bottle and then drink up their pee.
0: I actually experienced this when I was around seven, 7 and 8 years old, between 7 and 8 years old, and I can still remember that. And when the, when the fighting started, we, always, uh, we were up in the mining, and they were always shootings things between um, the BRA and the, um, the PNGDF. Despite this trauma they were experiencing, women played a
5: crucial role in resolving the conflict, with the signing of a peace agreement in 2001. And in the years since, they've been rebuilding their communities and their region and focusing on the next generation. They've played this crucial role because Bougainville is a metrilineal society, which means women are the main decision makers. They have a voice and they are demanding to be part of the political process. Now, if you are not across what's happening, 98% of Bougainville's population voted for independence in a referendum two years ago. PNG and Bougainville are now in a period of consultation and have agreed to a timeline for the transfer of powers by 2023 with full independence in 2027. However, the PNG Parliament believes it as the ultimate decision and is not bound by these consultations and the referendum. One of the women in Bougainville with great insight into the negotiations is Amanda Masono. She's a member of Bougainville's parliament.
6: Because I was just a child at that time, I was not really not allowed to go out and see what was actually happening. My father would come home because he he was the first local CEO at Arawa General Hospital, so he saw how like the number of deaths ha- happening every day, and he he said that he he never wanted our his children to see what was happening. So he actually saw how human rights were Violation was taking place, like BRAs and army forcefully entering homes and raping women and killing of innocent lives. When we broke at peace, that is something that being there and experiencing at the time, they wouldn't want Bougainville to go through a similar situation again.
2: And
5: um, what difference will an independent Bougainville uh, mean or be for women of Bougainville?
6: Bougainville is privileged. To have recognized women in politics by ensuring that we have special seats for for women, and that is where I, you know, was elected. Bougainville is also privileged, and we have made history by ensuring that our community government members are equal between uh, men and females. So Bougainville government recognizes the importance of what women play in contributing as partners in ensuring that we build a future that we desire for Bougainville. So being a, one of the women in leadership, I believe it, it will open more doors for uh, opportunities for women in all sectors of life. Member
5: of Parliament Amanda Masono, was one of many young women working to rebuild Bougainville.
0: You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
5: Theonila Medbob was born two years into the Bougainville crisis. She was three when her father was shot and killed. It's a tragedy that has motivated her to help rebuild a new future for her region. She's now a Member of Parliament.
4: It was the biggest loss for me. I can easily be able to have resentment towards my own people on Bougainville because my dad is from West New Britain in Papua New Guinea. It's My mom who's from Bougainville. When I look at the whole thing, when I was growing up, I actually had the resentment against the people on Bougainville. But when I looked at it as a bigger picture, I realized that it's not only me who actually had that loss. In being a victim, for me, I took it positively. I wanted to make sure that I make my father's name writing on the wall, on the wall, that will be remembered for generations. Like being totally innocent He's only a a person working for the mine, and then after resigning from the company, he decided to join. Uh, the church's uh, Eucharist minister, but thanks to my education as well, because I mean, at the university level, I was e- able to study counselling, so and psychology, so that drew s- social works. So that actually liberated me to see the death of my father from a different angle, and that I wanted to be the voice on behalf of the thousands that were victimised. So this is where I really came from, and the biggest challenge I took upon myself was to make my father's name written in the history of Bougainville and even Papua New Guinea at large. It was a loss, but when I look at it, it was a blessing for me in disguise that gave me the strength to really stand up, stand up on behalf of victims on Bougainville. What is your the best memory you have of your father? The only, only thing that I can remember about my father was the last moment, like the very last moment before he was captured by the Bougainville Revolutionary Army. I can remember one single morning, I mean, that one particular morning on the 18th of March, 1993, he was cuddling me and he was holding me and he was walking around with me on the, I mean around the house that we used to live in, and I could see his face. And that's the only sweetest part of the, I mean, the sweetest thing that I always remember. And I hold close to my heart. I treasure the very last moment before he was killed. Wow. Your mom, what was it like for your
5: mom losing your dad and trying to pick up the pieces?
4: She She was a powerhouse. After my dad died, she immediately took up that role, being both a father and a mother. At the professional level, it was my grandfather that was the greatest role model. But at the home level, it was my mom. Because like, there, there was never once she, she was able to show us that she was weak. When everyone was busy fighting behind the mountains, mom took us into the government control area and she enrolled us in school. And never once will she complain that I'm a widow, I don't have money, I don't have this. She worked tooth and nails to ensure that we had a better education and then lived our own life.
5: The Australian run Panguna mine was at the center of the conflict. It was delivering profits to Papua New Guinea and owner Rio Tinto. Yet, Bougainville landowners saw little wealth. Theonila, you have been speaking out about the environmental damage the mine has caused, and you recently received an award. What was that in recognition for?
4: The the Green Skinner Award that I got is actually the recognition for the years of Call for Justice in Bougainville after the uprising, it left almost a billion tons of waste on which the people, given the land that has been taken away through the operation, the people literally went back and settled on the land. And then on the day-to-day health issues and the land destruction with the collapsing levees that covers newer farming land areas and villages. So what we did was we went to an extent to seek legal advice to come up with a legal complaint with 156 people in the villages on the affected mining areas. Actually con- complained complaint Rio Tinto has finally decided and agreed to take the first step into the right direction which will enable the people of Panguna people of Bougainville to actually see justice and make the future a reality again. So that was really the basis on which the Skinner's Human Rights Award came in. What do you hope your your role will be within an independent Bougainville parliament? I should say that I'm actually looking forward to be the first female president for Bougainville. (laughs) Good on you, go for it.
5: (laughs) Wow. You are incredible. And how would you encourage
4: more women to contest elections? For me, my biggest dream is to see that one fine day, both Bougainville Parliament and Papua New Guinean Parliament should be balanced. And that balance will only come about when there are more women entering politics. For me, I'm challenging myself as a young parliamentarian. I want to deliver to the best of my ability so that I can naturally campaign on behalf of the women in Bougainville and in PNG as well.
5: It's wonderful to hear Thieny Lametbub's aspirations. Maybe one day she will become president of Bougainville and I will certainly be following a political journey. Barbara Tanner is the president of the Bougainville Women's Federation and she spent more than 18 years working with women, girls and the community to build peace. She says before the Civil War, Bougainville was peaceful. There was little if not any gender-based violence. People were friendly and chiefs were respected. The Civil War changed this, but women picked up the mantle and were at the center of peace negotiations. I asked Barbara to reflect on the past and how it impacted her.
7: A lot of women um, had issues of dying in childbirth. They were harassed by both the p and uh, the Bougainville Revolutionary Army. And it, it, it was not just uh, women and girls who were suffering at that time, but it was also the people in the community who were not part of the fight.
5: Barbara, um, many might not know the culture uh, the women play in your 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 society uh, Women, is it a multilineal society, and do men respect your position in society
7: I, I would say before the crisis, women were highly respected, but during the the crisis, to some extent, they were not respected, uh, maybe because the the men were aggressive at at that time but in our culture uh, the woman's role is always to maintain peace if there is an argument between uh, different clans the woman will go in not publicizing it but silently and have a conversation with the brother or the husband asking that there be peace the decisions were made by men at at that time, but there was always consultation between the men and the women.
5: Yes, and um, Barbara, you play a very important role too, and you you know you you play a really key role in this referendum, and you are a peace mediator yourself. What do what do you hear from people when you are you know talking to people? Are they still trying to heal from the crisis? Are they unified?
7: We still have a lot to do in um, dealing with those traumatized during the crisis, particularly the the veterans. They are also mothers. They were young women during the crisis who went through um, trauma of being raped by the, the, the fighters. And today they still have that hurt. Within them, because while we were preparing for the uh, reconciliation prior to the referendum, there was n- no reconciliations between the veterans, the PNG Army, with the women of Bougainville who were victimized during the crisis. And the organization, Bougainville Women's Federation, is continuing to push that agenda of having reconciliations with the women of Bougainville. Um, In order to get independence, everybody must be free of the trauma.
5: Wise words from Barbara Taney, President of the Bougainville Women's Federation.
0: This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Even though it's been 20
5: years since the peace agreement was signed, the trauma is still very raw. And it's something that's still being addressed so people can move forward. And many of the women now who are involved in Bougainville's independence were young girls when the conflict happened. Like Alberta Sukuliana, who grew up with her subsistence farming parents in a simple village lifestyle.
2: I am from um, Buka Island. My um, childhood days, I grew up in Hanahan village. And during the crisis, I got on the ship with my grandpa to um, run away to Robo. I was only about nine, eight to nine, years old. And I could remember my dad telling us to uh, pack everything. We we dug a hole in next to our cocoa plantation and we put our stuff in there. And then he told us to um, go to run away to the beach because uh, we have cliffs. And we had to actually uh, carry my great-grandma. Oh, it was scary. Um, it was scary, and uh, we knew I knew that uh, there was something really bad coming. And But the thing, when we went to the beach, we were we went so hungry, we went without food for a couple of days. So we had to look a uh, bit creative and look for ways to survive. One of the things that my uh, grandpa did was start cooking sh- salt, you know, start telling us to collect um, sea salt during the the night because during the day we can't show, really show ourselves outside. After that experience, I never went closer to any of the PNG defense force because all I knew was they were trying to kill us. But when we went to the care center, when they took us to the care center, I experienced a lot of uh like today it still haunts me uh to see because we could see the defense force lining up our, our our relatives our boys and and shooting them some of them um in front of us and um some of them they were telling them to uh walk on their knees and then pee pee on the bottle and then drink up their pee and that really that really had a a bad impact on me so I was really frustrated uh when i grew up um knowing that the defense could do that to our people so i i always had this dislike or hate um against the defense until i went to Omeo, and that was the the first time i was closer to the png defense and then i saw those big tankers and trucks that brought back all those childhood days cuz i i remember seeing them on the road shooting out and um, fighting with our, our Bougainville Revolutionary Army, which my uncle was part of it, and I was so scared.
5: Alberta Sukuliana bravely sharing her story. For Kathy and her family, they were amongst the last to leave Panguna when the violence broke out.
0: I actually experienced this when I was around seven, seven and eight years old, between seven and eight years old, and I can still remember that. And when the when the fighting started, we always uh, we were up in the mining, and they will always shoot things between um, the BRA and the, um, the PNGDF. And when the things get worse, um, they uh, they blew up a power pylon that supplies the power up to the mine. It went down, and then everyone they left, and we were the last people, the the, the security and the fire. And safety, they were the last people. We went down, we moved down to Arawa, which is the town area. Um, I, I, I can still remember these shootings, the shootings uh, from the machine gun and all this. We left uh, Bogan. I, I actually grew up in Lay, and I also experienced um, the effect of prices. There was a big uh, incident that happened in Kangoo Beach, where they killed um, several armies there. And then people retaliate. They, they attack anybody with Bougainvillean on the mainland in PNG. And we, we didn't go, st- go to
5: school because of that. Salome Riata was studying a commerce degree at university when the crisis began.
1: There was a blockade in Bougainville. So most of my family, including my mother and father, grandfather, uh, they were living at the case center at that time. The only way I could communicate with them is via radio. My mom got very sick and, um, sorry, I'm, I'm quite emotional <laughs> recalling back. Uh, <clears throat> my, my mom got very sick during the blockade and I'm giving my whole life to Red Cross at the moment because of that. Um, they were the ones who, uh, enabled me to get out of Bougainville by a chopper from Port Morsby, I had to go to Rabaul and, um. Meet her there. I will be forever grateful uh, to Red Cross for for that. And um, I think uh, without their assistance, I would have lost my 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 mom at that time. It, it was not a good time for all of us, even though I was in Potmospy, and you know everybody was staying in the care centers. Fortunately, none of my closest family members were killed, but. Other close relatives, uh, you know, they they didn't make it uh, during the crisis. So some of them are still missing. Um, they don't know where their bodies are buried. And, you know, the defense force, you know, their families also suffered during that time because, you know, a lot of the um, defense force soldiers arrived back. You know, in the atmosphere, wherever, you know, in coffins and stuff like that.
5: Like Salome, Geraldine Valle was also at university when the Civil War broke out.
1: We came through Aropa, theater Airport, and we heard about the first power of violence being hit. We experienced the crisis from then on. We would hear stories about the crisis, you know, the killings and what was happening. In it. And it really affected me and my other one talks from Bougainville. If we would hear killings, the boys would tell us, oh, this and this happened, that, you know, which part of Bougainville they would tell us back, and then I would go to the dormitory and cry with my friends. And yeah, and then I came home in 1992. There was that student unrest at that time. University students protested against the government. There was some issue there during that time. We we had to come home, like we boycotted classes and then it affected our studies. It's
5: really hard to believe that this has happened right here in the Pacific. There are so many survivors like Geraldine, Salome, Kathy and Alberta and I'm truly honoured that they are sharing the trauma that they had gone through. You realise just how much healing needs to happen.
3: Me and my children, we ended up in the bush for two years. So we have to come out of the bush to put the common care centre in order to put the kids to school. And also we were just adding enough of it. We lost everything during the crisis. So this, this kind of experience for us, it's like a very good experience that we don't want to see it happen again.
5: Teresa Jaitong is among the many thousands of people who lost everything during the war. But she's also one of the many women who are working to rebuild a new Bougainville. She's the former president of the PNG Council of Women, but resigned to contest a seat in the Bougainville Parliament. Although she didn't win, she's still involved in the referendum process.
3: We, 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 women were the ones who were at the forefront, making peace. But when the formal government came into place, women are marginalised. We are nowhere to be seen. We are no longer at the forefront. It it is the men now. Men are taking the lead. You hardly see any women sitting there at the negotiating table with Papua New Guinea. Women are very strong because many of the region, except for Buin and and Nissan, we come from a matrilineal society. And our culture itself, it it is very powerful. So when we speak out of respect for aunties and all that, they will listen. So that's what really happened. But because they took up arms, that, that's why the power of the women was suppressed and the power of the chiefs was suppressed. Today, women are also rising up. The women are now moving moving forward, so taking up leadership in the local level government and also in the ABT too, and also on boards. Like women, we have to also prove ourselves. The men, they see us, if we can contribute, and they will give us a space. It's not us pushing our way in and say, so, oh, I'm getting there, you move away. We also have some respects there. But in the formal government, there should be many more women included in in those peace talks that's happening between Papua New Guinea and Bougainville leadership at the national uh, government level. It's only one or two women. Are
5: you optimistic that there will be more women in in decision-making after independence?
3: Like I've said, uh, the leadership is leadership. We, We women do. We must also make it sound to be there. We must prove. To ourselves, that yes, we can make a change, we can make a difference in those uh, at at that uh, level, political level. So, men are also giving that uh, recognition to the women. But as I've said, we have to prove it ourselves uh, when it comes to decision making. We have to rise above, rise above to speak for the silent majority, speak for women's issues, and also speak for peace building. After independence and all that, independence is still. It's a political issue. We, we are not there yet. For me, it's through negotiation. It's a constitutional crisis. I mean, if we are independent, we, we will get there. I mean, the women will take their space.
5: Bougainville Women's Leader, Trisha Jaitong. In 1997, the PNG government hired Sandline International Mercenaries, a UK-based private military firm, to go into Bougainville to fight against the Bougainville Revolutionary Army. This move was not accepted by the then head of PNG Defence Force, Jerry Singarock, and a military revolt started and was supported by the University of Papua New Guinea students. I was a student back then at UPNG, and as students, it didn't go down well with us to think mercenaries would go into Bougainville to kill our people. So we protested. Even ordinary citizens joined us to protest against this. Looking back, I would say this is one of the best decisions taken by students. It has been very difficult to listen to the horrors and loss faced by these very brave women from Bougainville. They survived a brutal civil war and an aftermath that could have destroyed their spirit and drive. These women are true leaders. They have been involved in brokering peace and are now paving the way for a new Bougainville. But you can hear the pain and trauma in their voices as they recount the past. And there needs to be healing. Perhaps independence is another step towards this. It has certainly paved the way to put women back in their rightful place, at the front. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast in the Pacific. Just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcast. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk. We're talking Christmas.
3: We
2: celebrate Christmas here in Tuvalu by doing family gatherings and also island community gatherings and also church community gatherings. So during Christmas here, we usually do local dances which we call the Fatele.
5: That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters, Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donaghy. Our supervising producer is Inga Stunzner. Executive producer is Justin Kelly, and our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters, Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungimu Next time.